Christmas is great until it sucks. Why? People are the worst. Join us as we discover the choice to forgive or leave things fractured. God, I thank you for this moment, Father. I thank you for this experience, Father. I thank you for uncontainable love, Father. I thank you for the ability, Father, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of rain, in the midst of whatever is going on, that we can come here, celebrate you, make you the focal point, Father. We acknowledge you, we want you, we need you. In your name, amen. You all either have that kid or you were that kid. Uh, and you might even, you, if you ruined Thanksgiving dinner, you're that kid. All right? So uh, here's, here's what I, I went to New Hampshire. Uh, Graham was preaching. Thank you to Graham. I uh, went to New Hampshire having a great week, wonderful week. On the, I think the last, I think it was Saturday night. All of a sudden, a nice, you know, peaceful evening. They're screaming from the basement. There's one kid crying and one kid yelling, it was an accident, it was an accident, it was an accident. And I run over to the basement, to the stairs down in the basement, and they're both running up my two boys. That kid had taken a hockey stick, hit the other kid, uh, and there was a flesh room with all the blood. Now there was blood, 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 blood. There was blood up the railing. And it was like we went from peace to chaos with that kid yelling, it's an accident, it's an accident, it's an accident. You've been there. Don't judge my kids because that was likely many of you. And, uh, and so, uh, so we, we, we took care of it. It ended up just being a flesh room that just happened to bleed a lot and uh, didn't need stitches, nothing like that. And uh, I had to, like, lie to my kid and say, it's not a big deal. Everything's good. And, like, ah. uh, and uh, all, all of those things. And so when we kind of got to a place of peace, uh, I asked Brady. I was like, Brady, now, when, when you took the hockey stick, and, you know, you try to decapitate your brother. Like, like what, what maybe went through your head? Like, now we're, everything's good right now. Everything's settled. You're not in trouble, okay? What went through your head? And he, he just said to me, like, with that little, like, you know, that kid grin, he's like, I'm in big, big trouble. <laughs> and that is why. That was his first thought. And that is why he started yelling, it's an accident, it's an accident, it's an accident. Because he knew the wrath of God was going to come down on him. And so he needed to justify it some way to make the situation a little bit more peaceful. And my question to us is how do we try to justify ourselves to God? Do we utter things? Maybe it's an accident. It's an accident. Maybe we don't say that, but we say, well, God's forgiving. I'm good to do whatever I want. Or maybe we'll say something similar to what Jordan was saying, like, uh, I'll, I just, you know what, I don't need to get my life together right now. I'll get my life together in the future. Uh, I'll have my time of becoming more of an adult. Or maybe we'll say things like, oh, just God isn't real. That's how we justify ourselves and try to find, uh, find peace. Or, or maybe we'll say, well, oh, you know what, all roads lead to God. As long as I buy into something and strive really hard, all roads lead to God. I don't have to take this Jesus thing, but I'll be good to go in the end. Or maybe one of my favorite that I've heard with, from people is, you know what, all my friends are going to hell. So I'm just going to party with them in hell. That's how they justify it. That's how they try to walk in peace here on said earth. But if Jesus is the only way, do those things truly bring peace? Do we consider peace with God? Do we even consider that? Are we even focused on that? Are we even thinking about that? I want to look at Romans chapter 5. It's, it will be on the screen. It will be in your app. If you have a Bible, turn to Romans chapter 5. Paul says this about this subject. He says, therefore, since we have been justified by what? Faith. 
Not all your excuses. Not all your cliche comments. Justified by faith, we have what? What is the result of, of faith? We have peace with whom? God? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. So he makes it very clear right from the beginning that you can say all these crazy things you want. You can make all these comments to justify, 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 justify. But guess what? Those comments don't hold weight if the only way to have peace with God is through what? Faith in whom? Jesus Christ. If you want, if you want to utter anything to find peace with God from the wrath of God, here's what you utter. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for forgiveness. That you and I, we can strive so hard so we can say whatever we can do, 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 do. I'll just be better than the person next to me. No! That if we've done one thing, the wrath of God is, hangs over our heads. And if we want peace from the wrath of God, God, Paul makes it very, very clear. It's not do, do, do and try to be as good as you possibly can be. You find your justification in one place, Jesus Christ alone. And that brings peace with God. So is that part of their issue, that we're not striving for peace with God because I'd rather peace with my spouse. I'd rather peace with my friends. I'd rather peace at the lunch table. I'd rather peace with my coworkers at my job or around the lunch table. I'm trying to find peace with man, 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 that I neglect the importance of peace with God. That's where we ultimately should find peace. And when we have peace with God, all those other relationships tend to work themselves out. And so if we have peace with God, if something amazing has happened like that, what should we then ask ourselves? Perhaps one of the questions is, what are the benefits? I mean, don't, don't we do that? Don't we do that? Like, you get, you, you've been going to school for four, five, six years, seven years of going to college. <laughs> That's a big bill. And you, and you finally graduate. And upon graduating and receiving the this, this certificate or whatever, you say, well, now what changes? Something great has happened. Now, how is my life going to change? You've been, you've been striving to get that girl the girl, and finally, for whatever reason, she, she said yes to you. And now your life changes. And what's one of your first questions? How is my life going to change? What is it going to make a difference? You win, you win billions of dollars in the, in the lottery, and all of a sudden, one of the first, you celebrate. You're like, is this real? And all of a sudden, you're like, well, my life is going to change. And you start thinking how it's going to change. So we have, we have the benefit of, of having Jesus Christ. And so we need to ask ourselves, what's the benefit? Because here's our bottom line, is that if peace is yours, Jesus is yours. The only, way to have, the only way to have peace is to have Jesus. So if you want peace in your life, you need Jesus. That's where it starts and that's where it ends. It's all about Jesus. So peace is yours. If Jesus is yours, then Paul tells us four benefits in this passage of having Jesus, having peace. First benefit. Access is a benefit. He, he'll say this in the first part of verse 2. He says, therefore, since, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, scripture, therefore, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. Through him, we have obtained access uh, by faith into the grace in which we stand. Why is that so important? Because if we have Jesus, we have peace. If we don't have Jesus, we don't have peace. And if we don't have peace with God, we don't have access. It's, it's language like you're going to a king or you're going to somebody with royalty. You're going to somebody of importance. They're not going to let you just walk through the door. 
You, you have to say, what is your merit? How have you earned the right to be in my presence? If somebody is of that, uh, that, that statue, of that state, I can't just walk in to, to the president of the United States. But if I'm, if I'm the general coming over from, from the Middle East and I have news to share with him, I'm going to gain access. I can build my case to say, you better grant me access off of all of these credentials. You and I cannot build the case of our credentials to gain access to God. The only way to gain access to God and to prove our case begins and ends with Jesus. To have Jesus is to have access. That's why when Jesus said, it is finished, you know what happened in the temple? The temple had a curtain that would block you from access with God. It would, it, it was, oh, you had to be of, of, of a certain holiness to get behind the curtain. Then Jesus dies and guess what happens? The curtain rips in two. But whoa, 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 whoa. Don't, don't. Okay, don't just. Okay, but remember this. Well, here's, what, here's what the author of the Gospels says about said curtain that would block you from being with God back in the day, back in how they used to do things. Guess how the curtain was torn? Top to bottom. Top to bottom. Why is that so important? Because if I was going to go there when Jesus died and try to rip the curtain, guess how it would have happened? Bottom to top. So God when Jesus dies, rips the curtain wide open so that you and I have access to God. That's why Paul is able to say that we get to go to the throne with boldness, courage, confidence. That is why we have access with God. Over, uh, over Thanksgiving, Landon, uh, Landon had his birthday. He's an eight-year-old. So when you try to make him the world, all of a sudden he thinks he is the world. And he, he's not necessarily appreciative about the things happening for him, the great lengths that his mother went to to make sure he had the perfect birthday cake and all of these things. And so he was unappreciative. And we're, finally I was like, buddy, like, yes, we want you to have a special day, but you have to be appreciative. And if you prove not to be appreciative, then, then you're going to start losing all the things that you're not appreciative for. And so I said, buddy, if you're not appreciative, you're, I'm going to start by taking the $9 that you got for your birthday, and you're going to lose those things. Do you understand? Yes, I understand. He was good with it. Next morning, I remind him of what I said. And then he proceeds to tell his mom of all the things he hated about his birthday. And so he had acknowledged it. He knew. And so I had to talk to him. And I had to say, buddy, you lose your $9. Hell on earth broke loose. <laughs> Chaos erupted. We had a very tough conversation at that point. And, and it, it was like I was razzled. And all of a sudden, my mom was like, hey, I'm taking all the adults to an escape room. Uh, I have a babysitter for your kids. Let's go to the escape room. I'm like, I just have a hard conversation with my kid. And you want to go lock me in a room and figure out how to get out? Like, I'm not mentally prepared to figure out how to get myself out of a room that I'm locking myself into. Like, OK, fine. So I went. We got myself out, all that good jazz. And when I got home, I decided, though, I did not want to open up the can with Landon again. Instead, one of his birthday gifts was an experiment kit. It was like all these like science type stuff and chemicals and like you can make like like clay that is like water but not water. Like all these crazy stuff. I'm like, I was a DGA degrees guy, but we'll pretend like I know what I'm doing. And we did all these experiments and we did it for about 45 minutes. And I can tell you after spending 45 minutes with my son that his attitude his, his love for me, the hug that I got from my little eight-year-old after that was so 
critical, was so contagious, was so monumental because it went from chaos to me saying, buddy, you're forgiven. We're moving forward. I'm granting you access. Time with me that I'm not giving to Reagan. I'm not giving to your mom. I'm not giving to the other relatives. You and I together, 45 minutes, let's work on some experiments. And his attitude completely changed. So what about you this Christmas season? If you have peace with God, you've said yes to a relationship with God, have you considered the benefit that is direct access to God Almighty that is not yours apart from Jesus. You have Jesus. You have access with God Almighty. What would it do if you showed that same access to somebody else that you've been distant with? What if just granting them access was a snapshot of God's access, of our access with God? What what would it change for them, the hope that it might bring to them? The second thing is hope is a benefit. Peace is yours if Jesus is yours. Access is a benefit. Hope is a benefit. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Why? Because if Jesus isn't ours, we don't have peace. And if peace isn't ours, we have no hope apart from Jesus. And, And to say that, okay, guys, guys, you know what? Today, if you sign up for all things Jesus, all the pain goes away. There's a new car for you outside. That money problem for you is going to go away. There will be no suffering. I can't say that. That's just clickbait. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> that we, I have to look at this and say, yeah, as a Christian, I'm going to experience suffering. I'm going to experience hardship. The Greek word actually says that, 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 that there is pressure put on for us, that the pressure, the suffering that you and I face, Satan wants to destroy us through. God wants to build something up out of us through that suffering. God wants to do something because he doesn't save you just to be, oh, I'll just do whatever I want. You do you. No, he saves us. He reaches in because he wants us to be holy as God is holy. And so through suffering, we start to learn holiness. That's what, that is what's active about this. He, he starts with, like, you experience suffering. Here's the first thing, endure. That's not in the passive voice. That's in the active voice, that we are actively enduring. We're actively seeking out. We're actively going after God you can you be really enduring but not suffer like i'm enduring through my promotion the pits i'm enduring through my good grades i got a scholarship you endure through suffering, don't you? You endure. You build character through that. And, and then that, that's, that's what, that's what the, that, the, the character is talking about. That's not the character. It's proven character. You don't prove your character by making one good decision. Like, you're 35, and you're resting your hat on a good decision you made with your 21. Does that really give you good character? This is proving character. This, this Greek word would be the same word that you can use of a metal, metal that is impure. It passes through fire, and then through the fire, it becomes pure. It becomes good. It becomes, it becomes like, the impurity goes away when it passes through the fire. This is that same word that you and I can go through what is suffering, what is hardship, what is pressure, and we don't have to cave when we endure and make Christ the focus, that Christ is going to use that in our lives, and we're going to come out stronger, pure, and found approved before God. So I don't delight in troubles, but I delight in what God can do through them. I delight in what God can do through them. When, when Ava and I, um, we were married for six months, 
Uh, we were dating for a little bit, and she's like, this is the sexiest man I've ever met, so I want him. And I was like, fine, we got married, and, and what I, I kid, it was the opposite, the other way around. And, uh, and so we got married, and then all of a sudden she's like, well, I'm going from college student to pastor's wife, like living the college life to now being a pastor's wife. Uh, and you know, like life has changed. All of a sudden we're like, hey, we're pregnant. Six months, seven months in, we're like, hey, we're going to have a baby. We're like, I don't even know how to pay the mortgage. And I had to, like, I've spawned life. Like, how does this happen? And, 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 and so like, it's, it's all, like, all crazy. And then we go to the doctors, and we're kind of, like, celebratory and whatnot. But we're, like, at the same time, we're in a cloud. And then the doctor's like, okay, you have to go to a high-risk doctor. And we're like, oh, do all... Do all like expecting mothers go to a high risk doctor for the first time? No, your uterus is is severely misshaped, and you have a bicornea uterus, and you could lose this child at any point. Like new parents, and and if your child is is conceived on this side of your uterus, you're good. If it's conceived on this side of your uterus, you will lose it. And we don't know which side it is. And and to say like if you get stressed out, better for you to drink red wine <laughs> than than to maintain stress, and you'll lose child like what do we do and there was conflict that grew grew up inside of us that that there was conflict that with, with friends that we experienced in that state and i can tell you in the stress of the situation with landon you can throw pictures of landon up on up on the screen that in the in the stress of that we started handling things poorly because we were so focused on the hardship that was this pregnancy and losing this child we handled it poorly and we lost friends through the process but then but then we started giving ourselves over to god and focusing on god we got to the hospital and and landon landon was born and he had to go straight to the nicu because there were issues with his with his lungs Ava gives birth and is not able to see her child for 12, 14, 16 hours. It wasn't until later that she's able to start seeing her child. She longed to see her child that she had spawned in birth, and she couldn't. And I was able to see, see him before Ava. And, and this is that picture where, where he grabbed my hand. And it's like it's so, so meaningful to me. And, 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 and we have an 8-year-old son now. And... Uh, I remember leaving the hospital and, and praying, God, I don't even necessarily know how to pay my mortgage, and you have encouraged me to keep this child alive. <laughs> what are we going to do? I remember praying so vividly with, my, with Ava's mom, my mom, my grandparents, and saying, God, if you can part seas, you can surely take care of us as we leave this hospital. And it built our character through this, that now we've, we've, we, with a strength in marriage, a strength in family, through the hardship. God did something through that when we gave, finally gave ourselves over to God through it. And so you and I, when you're experiencing hardship, you're a walking billboard for Jesus Christ. When you're facing the pressure of hardship, Satan, what he wants to do for you, he wants your dis disappointment to produce discouragement. He wants your discouragement to produce unproven character, and he wants your unproven character to leave you in a state of despair. But when we, as Christians, experience the same suffering as the world that does not know Jesus, we can endure, we can have our character, and we can have hope. And I think it's from a place of hope that Paul is able to utter these words, where he says this. He says, we can echo these words in the midst of hardship. He says, as sorrowful, yet what? Always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, yet possessing everything. Why? Because we have the hope of Jesus Christ. And so he goes on to the, to the third benefit. We, if Jesus is ours, then peace is ours. Or if peace is ours, Jesus is ours. Access is a benefit. Hope is a benefit. And then third, Thirdly, love is a benefit. He says this as he continues, and hope does not put us to shame 
because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit and has been given to us for while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for whom? The ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though, though perhaps for a good person one dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in what? That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why? Because if we have God, if we have Jesus, we have peace. And if we have peace, then we know the love of God through Jesus Christ. But if we don't have Jesus, guess what? We don't know God's love. It's a benefit to those at peace with God. And what is, what do I, what, what, where, where do I find peace? Is that God loves me so much that when I kick the bucket and I stand before God, guess what? His love for me through Jesus Christ is going to equate to what? I won't be put to shame that you and I, with no matter what you've done in the sum of your lifetime, if you have Jesus, you will stand before God and utter the name Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, and you won't be put to shame that you and I live with hope every single day of our lives because that is the love of God. This is critical. This is the first time the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the book of Romans. Why? Because this is a benefit to those that have said yes to relationship with Jesus, that he loves us so much that the Holy Spirit, God himself, can't be around what is not perfect. But when we say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is able to enter into us. Why? Because the love of God is such that when we say yes to Jesus, we are now perfect because we have Jesus' perfection. And what happens then? Christ, through the Holy Spirit, is able to live up inside of us because we are found to be perfect. He provides that proof. If you want, if you want to understand why, why, is, why, why is God trustworthy? Why, like if you're saying, well, God is trustworthy, well, prove it. I will prove it to you that Christ has poured out his love for us, that he willingly went to the cross. He died, and three days later he rose again so that we would have life. But it says at just the right time. At just the right time, God poured out for us. Just the right time. But did you see what it said at the back end? At just the right time is when we were full of sin. When we were broken, when we, when we were at our worst, Christ reached in there and said, I want you then? Isn't that a picture of love? Paul, Paul uses that example. He's like, yeah, I, I might, I might give my life for somebody that's really awesome, my wife. But if you're a dirtbag, if you're Charles Manson, Hitler, if you're somebody on the block, am I really going to take a bullet for you? Christ would love us so much that he would reach in at our very worst and say, I want you. I want you. I want you. I want you that while we were still sinners, that's the proof of God's love, that he would be willing not to die for righteous people, that he's willing to die for bad people. When I said, when I finally let my life turn around, when I finally said yes to Jesus, I've told you guys this. I was, I was living in Lynchburg, and I was dating this girl. And on New Year's, she, she called me, and we were fighting. And she's like, you could ace any Bible test in the world, but you don't believe a darn word of it. And it hit me, and I finally was like, fine, God, I give in. I give you my life. <laughs> here's where I was in a state. Here's the state of mind that I was in. I was struggling mentally. This was a girl that I was involved with. <laughs> And that night, I was supposed to leave work and throw the most epic New Year's party in the world. I had all the beer, all the liquor I was going to go, and I was going to have me a good old time. And then God said, I want you. 
And that party changed. That was like, they're all having fun that I provided for them. And I was like, well, I'm just sitting here thinking about God. And this has, this has changed a little bit for me. It was in that state. That state, when I think back to it, like, God, like, you couldn't, you couldn't come to say, now, like, I'm in a better state. He's like, no, I want you at your worst because it's me that's going to put your life back together again. You can try all you want, but you will not be able to put your life back together apart from me. It is at our very worst that God says, I want you. That, my friends, is the mother of all F-bombs, that you fractured your relationship with God. He screams at you wanting to give you forgiveness. Amen. You cannot outsin the grace of God. He didn't wait for you to get clean. He didn't wait for you to stop cursing. He didn't wait for you to start attending church or reading your Bible. It was you blowing your money at the casino. It was you with curse word on your, on your tongue. It was you needle in arm. He says, I want you at your worst because you're better with me. I don't want to leave you there. Take me and let's walk this life together. That's an incredible benefit for us that have found peace with God. So if peace is ours, it means Jesus is ours. Access is a benefit. Hope is a benefit. Love is a benefit. And finally, what Paul says is that friendship is a benefit. He says, since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. You have to be saved from something. The wrath of God, that's where we don't find peace. For while we were enemies, 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 a broken, fractured relationship, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life, his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through the Lord Jesus Christ, through him who we have now received, what? Reconciliation. Why? Because without Jesus, we don't know peace. And without knowing peace, we don't know friendship. That's a benefit to people at peace with God. So he says that we were at peace with God, that we, we were subjects to, to being enemies with God and facing, facing wrath, wrath with God, that, that, that sin entered this world through Adam and that we have this fractured relationship with God. But here's what reconciliation means. It's not a, I Googled it for you. I like to Google things for you. Here's what reconciliation means. Because, again, it's not necessarily a word that we use a lot. Here's what it means. A restoration of what? friendly relationships, that we are enemies with God. We face the wrath of God. Like nothing was good between you and God apart from Jesus. And it's the reconciliation of God through Jesus that now makes things, this broken relationship, all of a sudden you're returned to what? Friendly relationships. If you experience forgiveness in a broken relationship, then you know what this is like. You, 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 some of you know what reconciliation is like in a human relationship. Can you imagine what it is like by, by Jesus Christ that we are reconciled through God, that we don't stand on our own merits to be reconciled? God, I, I want to I work my relationship good with you. No, you are at war with me because of you. Nothing you can do can reconcile this relationship. There's one way for a reconciled relationship. What is it? Jesus, 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 at your worst, I offer you myself. The focus isn't you. The focus is my son, Jesus. So how, if he offers us friendship like this, I, 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 I like a coffee shop. It's Cafe Enigma right around the corner on Main Street. They, they give us the coffee here for Sunday mornings. They're a great group of people. I know them well. I'm there a lot. And here's, here's one of the things I love about it is that we've never talked politics. <laughs> 
some of you brought politics up at Thanksgiving, and that went well. <laughs> we've, 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 we've talked about religion and church, but, but I've, I've taken in as far as I felt like they would be willing to hear. I've let them open the conversations, or they've said something where I was like, this is an open door, and I've, I've kind of walked through that a little bit, but gently, not like, hey, thanks for my change. Can I tell you about the change of God? <laughs> you know, like, I've been gentle with it. <laughs> Here's what I know about them. They love coffee, and they love the Goo Goo Dolls. I love the Goo Goo Dolls, too. Best band from the 90s. Take that to the bank. <laughs> My focal point with them, though, is not to turn them into Republicans or Democrats. <laughs> not, to, not to say, you better, you, you, better, you better live like me, and then we can start talking. My focal point is one thing. Jesus. We value simplicity. Simplicity is keep it simple at the end. We want to keep things simple here at Wellspring. Here's where this transcends into our friendships. Make the focal point one thing. Jesus. 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 Two, we're going into our friendships trying to get them to be like us. Trying to get them to, well, once you stop cursing, once you stop acting, acting a fool, then I can be your friend. Then, then we can interact. But, but is that what Jesus did to you to reconcile your relationship? If we want to be Christ-like, then, then perhaps our friends won't believe everything we believe. We won't have to wait for that. If we want to be Christ-like, it, it's not, oh, well, I'll wait for you to be perfect. I'll wait for you to get your life together. If we want to be Christ-like, you don't have to believe everything I believe. You have to focus on one thing, Jesus. Because he didn't wait for you to get your crap together. He didn't wait for you to be like, oh, I'm good now. He didn't wait for you to start. He said, at your worst, I want you. Let me put the pieces back together again. Can't we do that with our friendships? Isn't Jesus enough for us to have a starting point to form friendships? It was enough for God to make Jesus the focal point. I hope it's us for us too. Peace is yours if Jesus is yours. Access is a benefit. Hope is a benefit. Love is a benefit. Friendship is a benefit. Too often we focus not on the benefits, but what people must do, what they must change, what they must, you know, like, you better, da, 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 like, you, but like change, 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 instead of saying, you know what Jesus said? It's finished. Let me focus on what, well, not what you must do, but what's been done for you. Let's focus on that. And Jesus brings you peace, and then things begin to change when we have Jesus. Because you can't, you can't say offer peace and then try to build up a case for the troops, if you will. You can't, you can't go into a group of people that lack peace and say, hey, the war is over. The agreement's been, been, been agreed upon. I need some more troops for the final battle. That's not, that's not de declaring peace. That's a pep talk for one final battle. But for you and I, we go into a city. We go into people that lack hope, and we offer them not what they must do, but whom they must accept, Jesus Christ. Because, because that's what peace is. A peace is, is, is not necessarily, necessarily at the start doing things differently. Peace at the start is a change of mind. Because if you're, if, you're, if you're the person that comes from the battlefield, the person that comes to the table where the peace agreement has been signed, you go into the city where they've been, they, all of their loved ones are having raging war at some distance pla distant place. Guess what? They haven't experienced the war. They haven't experienced the battle. Guess what? They're living in a state of mind that says, I'm at war. And then the, the person says, hey, guess what? We've reached peace. Nothing physically has changed for them except for their state of mind where now they accept that they are in a state of peace because the battle is over because somebody proclaimed that to me. That's what you and I 
as messengers of the gospel get to do with a world at war with God. We get to reach in and offer them peace that starts with a change of mind to a change of action as God begins to put the pieces together. We offer people peace because the war is really over. This is a scene from home that I, that I love. Uh, I love that my wife loves a, a nice home and, and providing pockets of peace, especially for me at, at Christmas time and year-round. When we put up the Christmas tree, this is, uh, this is one of the, my kids' handprints. You, you guys have, like, the handprints are ugly except for it's your kid. So, like, this is an ugly ornament, but it's great for me because it's my kid. I get that. But, it, but when we put it up, there's a time of, time of reflection. My, my favorite one is something that my mom gave me while I was in Thanksgiving up in New Hampshire. She gave me my, my Red Sox 2018 World Series. Uh, I'm from New Hampshire. One of my newfound favorite ones, you guys will get this on your way out. It's a wellspring ornament that says, fracture or forgive. And so my, my encouragement to us today is, if peace is ours, have we stopped to consider it? Have we paused to reflect? I love sitting in my home before chaos wakes up and wants a sippy cup. And just pausing that I have peace with God. I have peace with God. Like he said that. He said, peace, peace I leave you. Peace I give you. Like you have peace. Have, have you thought this Christmas season about the benefits of peace? To be still before God and, and know that peace. And how we can be an extension of that peace to others. And so my, my challenge to us today is to be still. Now we're going to end with some worship. And, and I just want us to be still. For the first song, can we just stay seated and think about the, the words and think about just being still before God and think about the peace that we have, the forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. Cling to that. Pause and to reflect. So let's sing, oh, praise the name. Let's sit, let's sit and reflect. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to stay connected, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook or Instagram, and if you would like to help us with our mission of igniting a craving for Jesus by relentlessly loving our community, you can find the link to give and all the other ways to connect with us down in the description box below.